Welcome to Waking Up from Breaking Up, the podcast all about breakups with real experiences from ordinary and everyday people. My name's Ira J, and I'm your host. If you haven't been listening to the past several weeks, we have been interviewing couples and we talk about the components of CART. And CART is an acronym of all the items that we require in a long, committed, successful relationship. And we did an interview with a local Vancouver comedian named Al D. And we talked about chemistry um, a couple weeks ago. And this interview this week is the second part of his fun but super long interview. And we discuss what it takes to be a comedian in Vancouver, but also um, his about his podcast called Best Before Date Podcast. And uh, he changed his career from being an engineer and then into comedian. And then, you know, while he was traveling in Taiwan, he started his podcast. And so we really just talk about, you know, what it takes and how he's grown from the experience from being an engineer to now this podcast and the difficulties of being comedian and the inspiration, where the inspiration comes from in their jokes and how they use their trauma or past negative experience into something that makes people laugh because, yeah, it's relatable. Also, please excuse my dog. He does bark throughout uh, some parts of the interview, so he just wants to have a say too, I guess. (laughs) Enjoy the interview uh, with this awesome, insightful comedian, Al D. It's a long story, so I don't know how much time you have. <laughs> but um, basically, I I got into stand-up, and um, there's a big shift in my life in terms of like career c- yeah. career. I um, I graduated from school with an engineering degree, and then I worked in engineering for a bit, and I was like, ah, I don't I want to make more money, <laughs> uh, but also I want to like be more creative. Uh, so I was just switching, uh, switching jobs, uh, quite a bit. And I ended up living near, what uh, kind of engineering mechanical. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like uh, for residential commercial, it was just everything, HVAC? Ev- everything mechanical. So it was like HVAC cars, okay. manufacturing, all that stuff. Um, I work with engineers. A lot. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So you did a whole like, career change. Yeah, well, I so I graduated from school. I worked at this one job, and um, we're we're basically selling uh, industrial equipment to the government. Mm-hmm. And I had access to all the files, so I saw how much the salesperson was making on each project. And in a lot of cases, it was like two times what I was making a year. Mm-hmm. So based on what I knew about the job I was doing, I wouldn't pay someone more to do that. So I was like, I should switch into sales. And then I switched into sales. And that was uh, just not, the sales part was the right choice, but the company wasn't right. So then that didn't work out. And I was like, I'll try something new. And then I moved uh, very close to a comedy club in Vancouver. I was right by Yak Yaks, just actually nearby here. Yeah, 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 Cambian 12th. Mm-hmm. And uh, I figured I'll 
just pop in. Um, I popped in and uh, it was kind of fun because I, I came in during an open mic and I was watching um, people go up, do stand up. And I was like, wow, everyone's so funny. Um, yeah. And uh, thinking back, it's kind of ridiculous because one of the first people I saw do stand up, uh, her name is Andrea Jin. And the first time I saw her, I was crying, laughing. Like she was so funny and I was just amazed and uh, funny, like amazingly enough, um, like I got to talk to her and ask her questions. She actually just won a Juno award for comedy this year. No way. Like her album. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Is she Vancouver local? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, one of the, uh, the person that was hosting the mic, I talked to him after the fact, or I talked to him before and he was like, you should go, go up. If you, if you're interested and I was like, ah, nervous, I don't know. Um, and, uh, he was like, no, 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 you should do it. And I was like, I'll, I'll be here next week. He's like, okay, I'll see you next week. Okay. And the guy's name is Ola Dada. He was the semifinalist on Canada's Got Talent this year. Okay. It was just wild. So within the first like few weeks, I just met all these cool people. Uh, yeah. So I, I tried, um, uh, I was talking to to Ola and he was like, you you have to do it. And I was like, all right, I'll be here next week. And then the week after I came in, did my first set. I don't think I got a laugh. Oh. And I was like, this is actually really cool. And then I saw um, the the greatest part for me starting stand up was actually seeing um, something that a lot of people that just watch stand up like once or twice don't really notice. It's the evolution of a joke mm -hmm. so i would see a person go on stage at an open mic try a joke and it just bomb yeah. and then the next mic they would come in and try it the other way around and it would bomb and then they would come in again and then try it again like and it would bomb it wouldn't it wouldn't even be week after week it would just be like mic after mic right oh, okay. and sometimes you're even cheering for for the person for the joke to eventually work and when it does it's like such a euphoric feeling for everyone involved i feel yeah, yeah yeah so it's kind of like a community in that sense but yeah it's one of the things i like to do is to i don't know why i find it so funny when uh, men specifically are very confident for no reason like <laughs> extremely confident kind of like um i like confident men <laughs> yeah but no but but like overly confident for no reason like almost cocky mm, like arrogant. I, I, it, yeah I, I just find it so funny so <laughs> And you don't always meet an arrogant person these days, or at yeah. least not for me. So I sometimes do it on purpose to entertain myself. <laughs> but then people don't see through the sarcasm. So they're like, oh my God, this guy's such a dick. <laughs> and I'm like, this it's even funnier that way. <laughs> Is that yeah. part of your stand-up or no? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I'm... like my laughter and humor is my coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. so whenever something is awkward i laugh yeah so w when i do my set on stage i try to take it to a place where it's kind of awkward but i'm having fun and it's it's like this playful but awkward but playful thing yeah and then every now and then i'm just overly confident but people don't laugh because they're like no i believe that you would be that confident and i'm yeah. like no you don't understand i'm very insecure <laughs> <laughs> uh not very but you know yeah, um yeah. and I yeah, get that so, though. Like I'm a, I'm a giggler. Mm. Like when I get nervous, I giggle. But then sometimes if when if I you find hear licking, funny, that's the sound of your dog licking its balls. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yes, you do. White yes, balls. you do. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's probably why he was barking earlier. You know, good, good. Okay. I really hope the mic doesn't. Okay, you're good. No, he just wants attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I say I was giggling, but then, yeah. like, yeah, I do get nervous and I giggle mm. and I laugh as well. That's my my coping mechanism. So I totally relate to that. But also, I just learn to laugh at life. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good way of dealing with things. I mm. I feel like that that way. It, you know, we all go through tough times, and if if you can learn to laugh at it, or at least sometimes it's actually wrong <laughs> not wrong but like sometimes i find the funny way too quickly where people are like too soon like too you soon. should you should be sad about this for a bit and i was like no no, no you don't understand but it's so funny <laughs> that this guy ran me over like, <laughs> it's so funny that i would be the person he'd run not you know just as an example but um hey. he doesn't also like it when people hug me really yeah he gets jealous that's cool. It's very protective. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're so cute. Like if I was dating a girl and uh, she wanted to get a dog. It's, it was and tough. I was like not quite fully invested into the relationship. Like we'd get a dog, but I would like maybe not name the dog. Like she would name the dog. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I would like not, you know, make, make sure that she has more part in the dog's life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we break up, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> don't Maybe take the dog because then it's wild because if you start dating someone else like what are you supposed to do you have this dog you got with someone else that's yeah. constantly reminding you of someone else it's tough i've seen it before for yeah. sure um my friends or my co-workers going through it as well like and uh my male best friend mm. um but he kept the dog yeah and then he goes and and um I would say his old best friend. That's mm -hmm. the way I'm saying exes now, especially if they have mm. like a long-term relationship. Um, ex seems so negative to me. And right. so okay. I just say my old best friend. Old best friend. My old best friend. Yeah. That's, Part of the reason why I don't hate my ex is <laughs> I am like him. Yeah. We were together for 13 years. So Whoa. if I hate him, I hate myself. So, but uh, so <laughs> why did you break up? Is this my podcast? I don't know. I'm just okay. Well, you can turn it back. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just curious. Well, you yeah, know, I'm sure you talked about this. And yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, okay. Sure. I'll have to listen to that episode, <laughs> or you can just have me on yours. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll do that. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, You'll come in and be like, wow, that's uh, really uh, similar to the setup I used to have <laughs> where I wasn't as professional. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had um, one mic for the longest time, yeah. I did, and um, uh, I had it for like six, seven months, just one mic. It was given to me as a gift mm. um, from an old person I used to date. Okay. Yeah, and... Um, See, that's what I'm saying. It's so <laughs> much easier for women these days. <laughs> we, we were dating. It was my birthday. It was a gift. <laughs> yeah. I should have started dating around when I got a podcast, too. Yeah. <laughs> we're dating. <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, you know, and my friends really back me up on it. I just find friends that really believe in your 
which I'm, I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they so, just never fucking bought me mics, though. <laughs> I'm kidding. They're amazing. Just your support is enough. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, one yeah. of them bought me the other mic mm. and I was bawling. Aw. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know, and like when you start doubting yourself, I find for me, this is what mm. I learned. Is when I start doubting myself, I started to just call friends. And, and I was like, oh, fuck. And I'm like, I don't know if this is even going to be successful. Right. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then they just reminded me why I wanted to do it in the first place. Mm. And it's just to give a different perspective of people's experiences. Everybody has a different experience. Whether it's similar or not, it, it has a different experience, different upbringing, different way they handle the experience. Mm. And when you just share it out there, it's just giving a different perspective. That's right? fair. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I learned. Um, I guess. And then also I grew a lot as mm. well. And I got to know my friends deeper um, in a more kind of deep, deeper emotional level and understanding their background and yeah. how they overcame things. It and- also makes it easier al- almost to have that excuse of a podcast to ask certain questions Yeah, where you're like, no, 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 this is for a podcast. So what was your dad like? <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, oh, okay, it's for the podcast. And then they share and you're like, whoa, I never thought, yeah. you know, I, you went for that or like you experienced that. Yeah. Um, it's so cool. Yeah. I, I don't, I have a thing for, not a thing for, I, I kind of, um, I'm cautious of gifts mm. uh, because, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm cautious of gifts because, uh, like I said, my mom uh, used to travel for work and mm-hmm. kind of be be away for extended periods of time. And when she'd come back, it's like a common thing, apparently, for parents that are absent is to bring gifts as like a, a makeup for, for the time they were gone. So my mom would bring me gifts all the time. Wasn't you, did you feel it was like bribery? At first I was like, well, this is cool. Like, this is exactly what I want. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, and then after the fact, I was like, what, like, what's the, what's the reason for this? Yeah. Like you can't buy me, you know, you can't. can't yeah. So now if I get a gift, I'm like, I'd much rather not like, <laughs> I'd much rather buy my own things and then not have that. Um, like, I don't know. It just makes me uncomfortable still. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's part of the healing process you know accepting gifts uh another one was compliments like for the longest time if someone came up to me after the show and was like hey that was very funny i'd be like yeah yeah. okay yeah yeah, Yeah." uh and now it's more of a every now and then that perfectionist thing comes in where people would come in and be like that was very funny and i'm like you don't know my best Instead of just being like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I'd be like, I could have been so much better. You don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You do know perfect perfect doesn't exist. I, y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that whole Einstein thing where it's better to set your goal very high and not reach it than set it very low and reach it. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like this com- conflicting thing where I want to set my goal quite high. Yeah. But I also don't want to hold myself to an unrealistic standard. Yeah. So it's this fine line, I feel. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so when is happiness? Yeah. Like if you're, you have this goal, it's super mm. high. Like what if you never reach it? Like you're just like, no, I'm going to reach it. I'm going to reach it. But like, right. what is happiness? Mm. Like if you don't ever reach that, are you always going to be upset? Are you always going to? 
You yeah, know what I mean? so that's that's a almost a philosophical question for a lot of comics, actually, mm-hmm. where a lot of us feel that our dysfunctions is uh, are what's driving the creativity, what's driving the the funny. Yeah, and uh, I think recently in the past few years, it's it's been proven to be a misconception where actually when you heal and go for your traumas and and grow you become funnier and more creative yeah um for me i'm still i'm still figuring figuring out like what my drive is like what what drives me to a certain point and if it's actually the right thing that's driving me yeah yeah mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of times it was like um I do. I do enjoy being on stage. I do enjoy uh, seeing people laugh at my jokes and kind of be creative and and share that. But at the same time, it's fucking awesome to be the center of attention every now and then, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of mixed mixed feelings. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think setting hmm, the happiness for me uh, comes when I reflect. Yeah. Like I'll I'll look back and say, hey, look how far you've come. Even um, when I started comedy, uh, for people that are interested, you usually you would go to an open mic and you would do uh, as a beginner, you do three minutes of material. Yeah. And oh my god, that's so long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's what I used to say with my ex. <laughs> three minutes is too long. Um, and I would watch professional comics, like I would watch Tom Segura, I'd watch, uh, you know, uh, Whitney Cummings and even older ones. Um, and I would see them do an hour and a half, an hour, and I'd be like, holy shit, I can't imagine ever memorizing an hour of material, ever doing that on stage and having people laugh yeah. consistently. Like, that's wild. And then what, I've I've been doing this for going on four years now and I've had 20 minute sets, 25 minute sets. And it's just, it's small increments, you know, like uh, you start with three over time, you might do your five and then you might find a place to do seven and then do a couple of fives, work it into a 10, 12, 15, and then you get a 20 and then yada, yada. And you get to like a level where you do an hour, an hour and a half. Some people do fucking three hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's wild to imagine. And like you said, three minutes seems like a long time, but yeah. you know, I can do 20 now. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Reflection. Most happiness. of it, yeah. Most of it is filled with laughter. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Know, so it's funny part of, of the whole thing. Like before I wanted to do the podcast, I wanted to do stand up. Mm. And, uh, oh, you should still do it. Oh God. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, give it a go. <laughs> oh my God. I can make fun of my mom and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly more than most people anyways. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, and then my roommate, um, at that time was like, oh, most comedians are, have like, are really fucked up. Mm. No, I said, I was like, then everyone's a comedian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, I never really took it to heart, but I'm just like, but I think that's, I think some of the comedians, they're so relatable and that's why they're mm. so funny. Right. Do you, do you think that, um, you know, you're, in, you're a comedian and, and all your friends are, 
that everyone kind of has their story and makes fun of it. It's kind of a healing process as well as. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, um, I'm an immigrant to Canada. I, my family moved here, here, here. in 2009. Uh, oh. We moved from Moldova, which is right next to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, my family's half Russian, half Ukrainian. Uh, when we moved here, I like before we moved here, I never had this understanding of like white privilege or or anything like that. Back home, it was just male privilege that mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah, was yeah, a, yeah. I don't know, I'm mostly kidding, but there's a clear <laughs> dynamic of genders and yeah, you know, uh, if you agree with, don't agree with, kind of it's just how it is now. Um, yeah. I'm I'm more westernized now, so my view. I want kind of equality in relationship, mm-hmm. but my mom is like a woman's place is in the kitchen. And I was like, mom, <laughs> you've been indoctrinated into misogyny. Stop. Uh, <laughs> she's like, no, but I love this. And I was like, okay, for you. Um, but didn't she work? You just, you were saying she traveled a lot for work. Yeah. She, she traveled, uh, like when I was younger and oh, then, okay. uh, once I got older, she was around. Um, okay. yeah, but, uh, when I moved here, I kind of, I saw how like people were treating immigrants differently. And I obviously had the, um, the ability to blend in that a lot of immigrants don't. And so for the longest time I was repressing like my, my background, I, I worked on getting rid of my accent. I made sure that, you know, if, if anyone asks or if anyone has a thought, they think that I was born here, that I'm from here Mm. just because I didn't want to be treated like an immigrant. And then when I started doing stand up, I realized that, that's what sets me apart. That's what makes me interesting is my background and part of kind of speaking your truth per se is accepting and, and bringing it out. And so I, I, instead of hiding that, I started to bring it forward and that's where kind of like what you said with your podcast, bringing a different perspective Mm -hmm. and sharing a different uh, sort of idea of how, you know, how you see the world and how people live. And that's been sort of my journey within stand-up is just exploring that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is, you know, it's helps me kind of come to a place where I accept myself as I am and kind of the things that happen. And also because I uh, repress that and kind of try to hide it, I forgot about a lot of things and then I would like look back and I'd be like, Oh shit. Like I was, I was doing that. And that's how I grew up and that's how things are and all that. So yeah. yeah. Do you miss it? Eastern Europe? Mm -hmm. Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I went back after eight years in Canada. Do you have family there? Yeah. So uh, I still have an uncle and some extended family in Moldova, Ukraine and Russia. Mm-hmm. And um, when I went back, a lot of my friends, a lot of my childhood friends are kind of all over Europe. And the ones that are still in Moldova were like, you need to get on your knees and thank your parents that you were able to leave. Oh. And I was like, whoa, yeah. I never thought about it that way, but yeah. you were right. And yeah. that was that was like an, a wild realization of what my parents had to go through 
And and then another one was when I when I was in Taiwan, I essentially immigrated to Taiwan. Yeah. And I had to get all my papers done and mm-hmm. all my like things settled, like bank accounts, uh, a place to rent, uh, work, and all that sort of stuff yeah. in a foreign place in a foreign language that I I knew. I, I can speak a little bit of Mandarin, but not obviously not enough to deal with government documents. Yeah. And there's there's some support, but you have to seek that support out. And that really put in perspective what my parents had to go through when they moved to Canada. Yeah. You know, they they moved with two kids. Like it was my stepsister and I were I was 18, she was 21. So we're older, but still it was, you know, a foreign country and they had to leave their life and create new opportunities new life a new home and moving to taiwan kind of gave me that experience too and i was like holy shit like that must have been so lonely and so uh at times maybe hopeless Mm -hmm. but also like i guess kind of exciting but i was still in a better place than they were because i was like oh i can leave anytime yeah but for them it was like no this is it yeah. So yeah, a lot of the um, it's <laughs> I think a lot of my life has been basically going through an experience and then not really understanding what it means till way after. Yeah. And I kind of experienced that in engineering school where I would take a class, we would learn a concept and I'd be like I have no idea what it means. <laughs> and then I would go out in the real world after the fact, I'd do something and then that concept would click in my head and I was like, "Oh, that's what the prof was talking about that's why this is a thing yeah and same with like other events in my life i yeah. would just go through it not put any significance on it n- no labels nothing or or think something else and then something would happen that's kind of relatable and i was like whoa i can do this because i went for that that's why that was meaningful mm-hmm. yeah it's wild how it works eh reflection yeah <laughs> yeah um so did it give you a little bit of appreciation for your parents and what they went through? When oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, um, not that I moved in a different country, but um, yeah, when my mom moved us all here, even my aunts and uncles, we all came at the exact mm. same time and immigrated. And um, I grew up in Canada majority of my life since I was six years old. And I had, I remember experiencing racism very young, mm. um, being the only Filipinos in a very Caucasian based um, community in Winnipeg, right. but I don't remember the last time I f- I felt racism until COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah, that that must have been tough. Uh, it's funny because I experienced it kind of the other way around when I was in Taiwan. Oh, where I would get in an elevator and then uh, like Taiwanese people would be on the other side of the elevator, especially oh. within the first few weeks. Yeah, it was really? kind of interesting because. The only way COVID could get into the country was from people coming in. Uh, so every time you'd see a foreigner, you'd be concerned about COVID kind of thing. Uh, yeah. How so did that make you feel? Uh, I was like, whoa, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what it feels like. This is wild. Yeah. <laughs> to be avoided by everyone. Yeah. <laughs> to be well, yeah, I've had... Um, when I was when I was at a hostel, um, man, uh, there's I was staying at a hostel for the first three months. I was in Taiwan, and there's a lot of snorers. I mean, I couldn't afford like 
Not that I couldn't afford, I could have, but I didn't know how long I'm going to stay. So I was like, I'm just going to stay in a, in a dorm with seven other people. Yeah. And then this one time uh, a man was uh, snoring at night, like rough, yeah. rough, like probably dying from sleep apnea, <laughs> like yeah. that kind of. And so he woke me up in uh, in the middle of the night and um, and that's where my temper comes in, where I was like, if I'm not sleeping because of him, he's not going to be sleeping because of me. <laughs> so I woke him up and uh, he was like, I will kill you. I've killed before. I will kill you. Oh my God. And I was like, that's, that's wild. <laughs> he's like, I've killed foreigners before. I will kill you. And I was like, this is crazy. So I went to the police and I was like, hey, so this guy threatened to kill me. And they're like, oh, don't worry. He's just crazy. He's just a mental issues. Don't worry about that. And I was like, no, this is exactly when you're supposed to be worried about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, they put him in a different room. And, um, and then s- similar thing happened with another guy. And he was like, you, you go go back to your own country. And I was like, I'm pretty sure you don't know where my my country is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're probably uh, thinking America. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Which, you know, um, it's, it's crazy. Because it was also um, sorry, around I- the time of like BLM and all, all that sort of stuff. So, so that? like... Uh, that was all happening. Like the beginning of COVID was uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. So yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was wild being abroad. And uh, I mean, I can't imagine what it feels like being here and being discriminated for, for being Asian. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's tough. And it it's not making me feel better that you went through that. Yeah. You know, being in a foreign country. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I think people would kind of really appreciate it if they knew what actually happened, especially at that time of the Black yeah. Lives Matter and stuff. I wish that people would, and I'm not, I don't wish because I don't wish that on anyone, but for people just to understand. Yeah, it's it's tough to understand when you've never experienced that. Exactly. Um, and it's kind of, it's part of the reason, like when I was in Asia, I really enjoyed my time there, but uh, and Taiwan is an amazing place, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful and lovely people. And most of my experience has been positive, but I don't think I would be able to live in Asia because in a lot of places like uh, specific, well, Taiwan was one of them because I actually lived in Taiwan for a mm-hmm. bit. Um, they refer to uh, people that don't look Taiwanese mm-hmm. as foreigners it literally means uh, like outer worlder basically and so it doesn't matter if you were born in taiwan it doesn't matter if you speak uh fluently mandarin uh it doesn't matter if you know all your life is there your parents are there blah 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 you would go to a restaurant you would order food the server would come out with food and she'd look at the other server and go and ask like where to go and she'd be like oh the foreigner and they'd bring you food right Mm -hmm. so I can kind of understand, not necessarily understand, but slightly relate to uh, like minorities in North America where I, it's, you, it's gotta be so tough and, and mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine calling a place your home, but also always be called, you know, mm-hmm. we don't really do that in Canada. I don't know. I I've always, <laughs> I went to when I went to school in my last year um we did a engineering project and on my team there's a Taiwanese guy a Chinese guy and a uh, like a a white Canadian dude 
And then the Chinese guy was like, hell, um, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm so excited. It's one of the first times I'm going to take a flight. Yeah. And I was like, how'd you get here on the boat? He's like, no, I was born here, you asshole. And it just shows that for me, for me, because I'm an immigrant, I just assume everyone around me is an immigrant. It wasn't because he's Asian. I just assumed that everyone is an immigrant. And he was like, no, I was born here, you asshole. And I was like, oh, shit. I, you know, I totally, I don't know. I just kind of think of everyone as an immigrant, everyone equal. Yeah. Everyone's here. Everyone yeah. wants to be in Canada and, you know, make a life. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess it's way different if you don't. If you're not white, you're still like, yeah. yeah, you're, you know, you're Canadian. No one calls you a foreigner. But when things like that happen, it comes out right away. And yeah. I couldn't deal with that in Asia. Yeah. So I can't imagine what it's like for, for people to do that here. You know, I'm surprised that that uh, didn't like, um, like, so one of my female friends, mm -hmm. she's blonde, blue eyed, and mm. she worked in Vietnam. Um, she went back and forth. Right. And she said that she did this tourist thing. And all of a sudden, all these Asians wanted to get photos with her. Mm. And then her tour guide that was taking her around for work and stuff is like, oh, miss, are you famous? And she's mm. like, no. Honestly, <laughs> uh, everyone hyped up Asia for me. They're like, you're going to have people come up to you, take pictures and yeah. stuff. I'd like to say never happened. I'm very annoyed. Maybe because I'm not 6'2", but I'm very annoyed. They hyped it up. Never happened. God damn. Yeah. Disappointed. Yeah. Could have really stepped up. You know? What did you learn about most about yourself going mm. through that entire experience? It's funny because I was... Um, I was in therapy right around the time when I met my ex and when I left. And yeah. one of the things that my therapist told me before I left was, um, whatever you go, there you are. Meaning that you can't run away from your problems. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, after the fact, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm doing that for the experience. And then, uh, I realized that as soon as I was, um, and I feel like a lot of people experience that during COVID. As soon as uh, as soon as I was in a place where I wasn't distracted by new environments, the darkness came in. You know, yeah. uh, not necessarily the darkness, but y y you yeah, start no. to reflect and you start to realize that you have some work to do. Yeah. And um, that was a big one. And when I, especially when I got back to Vancouver, I was like, "All right, cool, new environment. We're here. All right." And then within a few months, I was like where should I go next? Uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. I need to stay and I need to figure this thing out. Yeah. By this thing, a lot of things. Yeah. Like stand up. Uh, I, I kind of want to set roots in Vancouver, yeah. even though it's not the best housing market or or economy or whatever. But <laughs> or it's, dating scene. <laughs> yeah, or a dating scene. But it's yeah. the place for stand up and uh, my parents are here, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to figure it out. That was one of them. Whatever you are, uh, whatever you go, there you are. Mm, another Do you one. Deal with some of the the quote unquote darkness. Yeah. So uh, I st I was meditating quite a bit when I was in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm describing this like white guy yogi. <laughs> no. Typical Vancouver. Right? Yeah. Like. Um, <laughs> I 
reflecting back, I, I know there's quite a bit of, um, like if I set my mind to something, I'll, I'll achieve it. Like I'm quite set in my ways like for better or worse. And dr- drive. Yeah. Um, I can trust myself to, to follow through, even if I, even if I procrastinate and, and then do the, uh, productive sprint at the end, like yeah. I'll, I'll get it done. Um, I value freedom. I think that was a big one. Um, <laughs> that sounds like something an avoidant person would say. Uh, but, freedom? but not not so much in like d- dating specifically, but mostly like uh, financial and uh, location. Like I want to be able to. It was it was very cool to be homeless. No, not homeless, but like I had everything in my backpack. Yeah. I had my yeah, I left a few suitcases with my parents, but I had everything in my backpack. Whatever I wanted to go, I could go. Like yeah. everything was open. I wasn't financially restricted. Um, because I, I did a couple of commercials right before I left. So I was like yeah. set for a bit. And um yeah, so uh I value freedom. Um um if I I think the hard one was finding the direction. Like I was kind of directionless. Um, my, oh my God, my ex, she grew up in a cult. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, you would uh, make a great recruit for the cult. And I was like, what, why? And she's like, you're kind of directionless, uh, easily impressed. <gasps> Whoa. And uh, not not easily impressed, but impressionable. Um, she's like that's yeah, like moldable in a way. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like that that's perfect recruit for the cult. <laughs> and Did I was like, all right, I'll take it as a compliment, I guess. Did you join? No, 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 no. Um, not yet. Not yet. Hey, it's you know, it's always on the back burner. Yeah. Because uh, the whole thing is like uh, arranged marriages. So if dating doesn't work out, you can always <laughs> pop in. <laughs> so, and the stand up is uh, like all of these things, just knowing yourself and being more comfortable with how you feel, who you are, and what you like, and uh, how you are, and where you come from. It all kind of comes out when you do stand up. And it's like, a lot of people joke that open mics are just be listening to people that need therapy and use it as therapy, but just the work, it's kind of like you're journaling, but then at the same time you're being funny <laughs> or know. hoping it's funny. Like I would write something and read it and be like, this is too dark. Uh, I need to uh, add a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> you need to it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. So you're trying to tell me that you've had what I call woo woo moments, like waking up or breaking up moments, for, like, pretty much this past several years yeah yeah it's been it's funny because every six months i find myself in a place where i think whoa the next few months are going to be very exciting in my life yeah and uh it's usually when i'm i'm comfortable with discomfort and i think like that's because of my chaotic uh, upbringing and childhood and it's one of the things i'm trying to work on where if i'm comfortable Uh, Or like if I'm in a place in life where I'm comfortable, I get uncomfortable. 
because I'm like, oh, that means I'm not growing. That means, you know, something's not happening. I need to have that like growing pains and discomfort to be in my element. Mm -hmm. And one of the things my therapist used to say is like, well, okay, but what's the end goal? Isn't the end goal to be comfortable? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And she's like, yeah, but then when you're comfortable, you're actually uncomfortable and you try to cause some chaos. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, kind of makes sense. Hey, eh? that's a little <laughs> bit uh, self-sabotaging and yeah, that's, that's part of it. So yeah. how do you stop self-sabotaging when you find out? Let me know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it'll hopefully it happens. <laughs> The the goal is uh, I'm reading uh, what I just started reading today the seven pillars of self esteem and one of the things it talks about is people with kind of uh, I guess low self esteem are are um, whenever their reality doesn't align with how they feel they self sabotage to bring their reality to how they feel instead of adjusting how they feel to the reality yeah mm-hmm. so um, yeah I'm on page twenty hopefully. <laughs> Once I read it, I'll let you know. You know, it's funny you say that because we all project, Mm. right? Like we treat people or we judge people because of what's happening inside of us. Yeah. Right. Um, And when people push me away and all this stuff, like especially if I'm seeing someone Mm -hmm. or whatever dating and they push me away and they have these all these insecurities and like they project, I always just be like, I have empathy and compassion. Right. Okay. I used to do that. Yeah. Right. And just be like, okay, I get your point of view. I'm Mm. sorry you're hurt. Um, Obviously, that was not my intention, but I also can't control their emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And learning that too, being also, I would say, I'm hoping to say ex codependent. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a lifelong journey. Exactly. And it's just, um, you know, just being able to take ownership of how you treat other people. Mm. I'm, I've been kidding about basically being Lucky Chuck in a way. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but that's essentially me. Most of my exes are in happy relationships, uh, which is, which is cool. I'm happy for them, but it's like, it's weird when every now and then someone would be like, you know what? You were my rock bottom. I'm like, fucking great. (laughs) I didn't get that. No one said that to me. Uh, (laughs) But that's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> no, what I what the way I see it is that um, I help them <laughs> build the confidence yeah. that they use okay. on someone else. <laughs> I'm glad you believe that. <laughs> that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you, you're a side character in someone else's life too. So exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Al, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, this is the longest podcast episode i've ever done and Me too. Uh, i had so much fun yeah <laughs> it was fun. welcome to this week's reflection section and so yeah it was a really fun interview with al and there was just a lot of insights there and how comedians have taken a lot of their past experiences and their trauma and how they've healed and made people laugh and I think it's such a great career and it takes some balls of steel to come up there and actually you know talk in front of all those people and make jokes and make sure that they're laughing and I really love how he uses 
insight or looks back in his past and just sees how he grows and how he's grown as an individual and as a comedian as well. And I really think that insight is quite important and reflection is very, very important. And understanding why you are reacting to certain things in the world rather than continuing to project our fears and our traumas from our past and from our childhood into the world and into other people, especially when it hinders us in the dating or in love and in personal intimate relationships. What I really appreciate about Al is that he looks inward out and he has a lot of self-awareness and that he really pushes himself out of his comfort zone and tries to understand why he's reacting to certain things and understand that his past traumas have a huge impact on his current life and um, dating, I guess. And also his podcast. Uh, um, Like I said in the beginning, it's called Best Before Date Podcast. And he uses it not just to get to know people, but as a way of therapy (laughs) as well, like I do as well and get different perspectives and get different insights because I'm a true believer that everybody's story and everybody's past is someone can be used to help someone heal in their current situation. So, um, so like I said, Aldi has a podcast called best before dates Every episode goes out, comes out on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. He also hosts um, an event that showcases local Vancouver comedians. It's called Off Leash Comedy. It's at Dogwood Brewing every second Thursday of the month. So the next one is on Thursday, September 22nd. And then the one after that is on October 13th. All the information will be on the write-up on the podcast and you can check them out on Instagram at bestbeforedatepod and his personal comedian Instagram at happysanko. That's H-A-P-P-Y-S-A-N-K-O. Again, all of this information will be in the podcast write-up. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast at Waking Up From Breaking Up. And uh, check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Waking Up From Breaking Up and our website at wakingupfrombreakingup.com. And like every week, I'm going to leave you guys with this. Be honest with your words, be kind with your actions, be fearless with your heart and be brave enough to be vulnerable. Thank you for listening. Lots of love. (music)